RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You might have seen a story in Stuff, Desperate Times and the push for a new live-in alcohol and drug rehab in Hamilton. And it reads, Desperate Times are here and rehab beds need to come home, says leader in addictions in Waikato, Stephen King, who joins us now. Stephen, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Yes, yes. hello, hello, hello. Okay, desperate times. How desperate? Desperate um, in quite a few different uh, ways, really. They, um, we're very, very short-staffed um, in the in our sector. Yeah. Um, which uh, the, there's an increase in addiction um, uh, problems, and this is validated by the, the police's water reports across the country. There's a huge increase in methamphetamine and cocaine is the add-on. Right. So there's an increase in problem, and there's a, um, for want of a better word, um, a breakdown in the whole connecting of services to services process. How did that happen? Well, well, I think that there's some responsibility needs to be taken um, uh, uh, by government, but at the same time, COVID, I think, had had a huge impact, as is um, an ageing population in the workforce. So the baby boomers are all clearing off as well okay. yeah mm. so so we've got short of staff shorter processes increased problem uh not enough residential rehab um facilities the story is people most people uh, like myself who have lived experience who you know i'm a former drug addict myself i slipped into that process and what, what drug what what drug are we talking started about? out started out on cannabis way back in 1969 1970 and then i just progressed my way through um all kind of substances through to heroin and right and and what have you and woke up at you know 37 years of age drug addicted um my life in in tatters really Okay, so, well, obviously you pulled things back for, since that yeah. moment. To, well, to I, now, I, so, have, I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm 32 years uh, clean and sober. I haven't um, become a zealot or grown a third eye or anything. Um, yeah. But I'm, yeah. but I, um, I'm in love with the the process of assisting others to find what I found. Because you see, drugs and alcohol were really only a symptom of a personality disorder, you know, mix of things. People have all sorts. It takes all kinds to make up humanity. Yep. Um, and I have this obsessive-compulsive um, illness called addiction, right? I call it an unwellness lately. And, and in order to, lucky for me, um, I mean, I'd been trying for 10 years to stop uh, using and changing which drugs I used and what have you, and, and it failed. It wasn't until I entered a residential rehab, um, and it is still known as the premier rehab in Australasia, and the Australians say so, so it must be true, um, uh -huh. a place called Higher Ground in Auckland. And I went there in 1991. Time out from the drug dealer, time out from the bottle store, um, where an amazing thing happened that I found out that the drugs and alcohol were just a symptom of the problem and that Steve needed 
um, to review his roadmap for how to live life on life terms in conjunction with everybody else. So, so it was, it was quite, you know, I kid you not, it was quite a miraculous kind of um, mind-opening experience um, that, I, that I hadn't, you know, somewhere along the way I didn't have or hadn't acquired the skills, life skills to live life on life's terms. So, you know, I started off and so I became a, um, on this journey and ran into other people in the residential rehab and I, I, I pressed that because no one convinces somebody else to give up drugs and alcohol. This is a, a process where people need to come to that realisation themselves. It That's sounds quite- like, though, having that circuit breaker of being, because you said, uh, away from the drug dealer, away from the bottle store, you need to be yeah. separated from it, do you? Yeah, but that's only the beginning part of it. Yeah. The second part is that the premise in the therapeutic community, and it's a model of treatment, that the clients are actually in charge of the culture of the place. No one forced us to stop using, let alone forced us to stay stopped. We had to come to that place ourselves. So it was through psychotherapy that the answer lies within each individual um, to find this thing called recovery. And it means different things to different folks, but there are some similarities. And so uh, and so, life started to go better. The drugs were gone and I started to sleep better. I started to feel better about who I am as a person. And it started to be more effective and real in my relationships with other people where I ended and they began. And So drug and alcohol rehabilitation is actually about life skills and how, how to deal with one's emotions and yeah. how to deal with life, you know, how to how to let go, not to hold on to things that you can't change and to change the things that you can. And then you then you wake up and realize, oh, there's this whole other society that lives on yeah. the right side of the law. And that if you haven't got a warrant of fitness, the vehicle you're not to drive that vehicle. A good citizen doesn't drive a vehicle without a warrant of fitness and all the other rules of our society. So there's a bit of plastic rubbish floating down the street, a bit of, you know, tin, you know, empty packet of somebody's just dropped in the things. A good citizen picks it up and puts it in the rubbish tin. Oh, would you? Well, would you believe it? Um, uh, I agreed with that, that notion. I don't go around cleaning the streets, but, but I do my part. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. Um, in this story here, it says there's been a surge in addiction. You mentioned methamphetamine. Mm. And then just to hearing what you had to say, boy, sounds like a huge job that needs to be done here. Well, it well, it does. And and it's and it's not a it's not a conversation that I'm not sure whether we're ready to have it. There is a parallel conversation which I can draw to you, and it's a recent success over the last um, five, ten years. If a guy gets drunk on Thursday night and goes home and gives his, mat- his missus a bit of a bash, um, it wasn't that long ago then everybody kept out, that's none of our business over the fence. But yeah. we've had some success in saying, yes, it is. The guy next door is bashing his wife. Then, then that's not acceptable. And it is acceptable for a citizen to have that view and to report that view. Well, it's a little bit similar with drug and alcohol addiction. People talk about mental health all the time, 
but they seem to avoid the the drug alcohol excessive alcohol and drug issue as if it's taboo you know we we don't talk about john over there because he drinks too much because mm, he's a he just needs to pull himself together. So it's a moral problem that he has. No, it's not. It's an addiction. It's an unwellness. It's an illness. Yeah. And we need to assist John to get those the help that he needs, whoever that John may be. Is there a different uh, difference in perception between alcohol and other drugs? Yeah. yeah yes, and, and the parallel is often often drawn because alcohol is a legally consumable substance. Um, and the second only to nicotine is the biggest killer. So you know yeah. the two the two drugs that are killing killing us, and, uh, and the research is is clear. Um, is um, nicotine? Let's not get into the vape. No, inhalable substances, right? Only followed by alcohol because it is legal, I guess. Kind of like the the cowboys with the white hats and the cowboys with the black hats. Yeah, the black okay. hats being the drug users. The white hats being the guys that stick to the legal stuff. They're not breaking any laws. You're not breaking any laws because you got tiddly or drunk. Please forgive me. Hmm. Okay. Now, Stephen, in your area, I think you're running a 30-bed support facility known as Manning Street. Is that correct? Well, um, well, I'd like to be. Um, actually, it's, got, it's caught up with us because we've acquired the last two lots of 10 in the last three years. So three years ago, we had a 10-bed facility on one property. Okay. Now, then we got a second property. Thank you, Trust Waikato and Galahars and many other people I could mention who have assisted us to acquire that second property. Trust Waikato contributed big for that second property. And now we've got a third property. So so I, have, I actually have certified 30 beds, but I'm only funded for nine of them. Okay. Wow. So go go figure. And and at the same time, no one's arguing that we don't need another facility. Everybody agrees. Uh except except the except the funding to pay people's salaries and wages. Have the facility, have the know-how, have all of that, but we don't have the funding to pay wages and salaries. So how much do you need? Well I haven't actually uh uh, uh uh, drill down. Our initial indicators were about, in addition to what we've got already running a nine-bed support house, additional $1.75 million per year would give me the team that I need to run the facility and, and uh, then some. Um, I'm just trying to avoid talking about a certain gang in the Hawke's Bay who set out about to look to provide the same thing. We provide a therapeutic community certified under the health and disability standards. The people that we will employ and we currently employ are appropriately qualified. We are a recovery house. 98% of the time, there is no drugs and alcohol at our place because the client, other clients stipulate that. If somebody wants to use, that's fine by our love but you can't stay here. It's a right. refuge. From, it's a refuge from drugs and alcohol, yeah. and it's a, a group. It's a group undertaking. It's a it's therapeutic community model. If anybody's really interested in looking it up, and that's and that seems to be uh, what works. Were you referring to the um, two points, whatever it was, seven five million dollars yeah, given out? Yeah. 
so 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 it's a bit of a quandary really because um, we are in a restructure of a restructure of a health system that is still in the process and and it's still unclear about who's responsible for what who's staying and who's going and what have you so we're in a bit of a quandary um, for want of a better word um, to Fatawara has not reached that place of being clear with community providers like like us because they're still engaged in the restructure process. Um, Is there any point in your view to this restructure if it's causing all these delays and problems and helping people, you know, actual people? Of course, but at the same time, I'm sure everybody's trying to achieve the best outcome. So it's a dilemma. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And, of course, COVID led the way. And and now, of course, we've got uh, all sorts of other, um, seems to be other type illnesses, flus and chest infections. And Yeah, well, we know why know. that is. We don't want to get onto that. Um, 500 million was spent on rat tests. You need 1.75 million. What yes. do you feel when you hear a figure like that spent unnecessarily wasted money by people who don't seem to know the value of it? Well, uh, yeah, well, I feel I feel sad, really, at the end of the day. I don't concern myself too much because I've been blessed to, to have been given the role of helping others like me. It's, you know, I find it rewarding to see the change that people go through when they rebuild the trust in their families and they get access to their kids and they... There's this lifting of their cheeks, we call it, and that 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 by the product of recovery, that there is a life after alcohol and drugs. Yeah, but you need to have the capacity to do it, and that requires money. And if people yeah, are spending yeah. money on pointless stuff and not on the stuff that counts, then yeah. we're not going to get anywhere, convince, are we? How do you convince government to do that? I'm fairly confident that that it is going to happen. It's just how long is it going to take? I mean, how long does it take? to build hospitals and medical schools and anything else you care about. 500 make. million would have built a hospital. Anyway, yeah. I'm not going to go on about that. I'm just yeah. picking yeah. up on the point that you need money. There is money, but it's been wasted by idiots. You know, my char- the charitable trust that I founded um, is, is, can I, is only surviving currently because the trust owns the assets through the help of benefactors like Galahaz and many others who have private given donations over the years and place a well energy trust and trust Waikato and DV Bryant and I could go on. Yeah. Um, who so we own the properties and and that's that's the only way we've been able to survive. Now I will be need to say the current government have given us a, a little bit of increased um support worker into the evenings uh and and we're How grateful much? for that. What oh. does that equate to? Really? Oh, about $150,000. Okay. So we've now got, you know, a support staff, which we didn't have before. So so I did have a 0.5 clinical FTE lead, that's me, um, plus 1.6 support worker, which is one and a half people. And now I actually have, of the support people, it's gone from 1.6 up to three, three full-time equivalents, and it's split into part-time roles. Yeah. So, so it's a transformation is what 
I'm hoping for. So we can deliver a higher ground type program in the Waikato for the people of the Waikato, and that would probably need to embrace Western Bay of Plenty because they've got nothing over there, and it'll be a lot closer than to support families because families just can't afford to drive to Auckland to be part of the program anymore. We'd like our beds back, Auckland, thank you very much. If we could have them to get started in July 1st next year, that would be soon enough, and we'll be all ready to go. Mm. This is a losing battle now, isn't it? I mean, let's let's get real. It's a losing battle. It, it is. The, the war on drugs is well lost, and I don't know how long you got. It's about supply and demand. We pay very highly for our drugs, and the... Them that are, um, you know, cocaine and methamphetamine that comes from overseas, they know we pay top dollar for it. We're a great marketplace, so they're sending us the product. That's the supply, but we're not reducing the demand, and we've got an ever-increasing number of people using recreationally, which sooner or later, in general terms, three to five years, they will become dependent, and once they're diagnosed as dependents, the psychiatric Diagnostic Manual of Mental Health, the psychiatrist's Bible, says those people need to be abstinent. We live in a world of harm reduction. People only uh, stop using when they choose to stop using, and we're, so we're managing, as you rightly point out, we are, man, we are managing a losing battle. However, for any individual that stops using and stays stopped, I reckon they're each worth a million dollars in reduced harm over the lifetime. Well, that's a point. So, I, yeah. so I'm arguing for the the five to fifteen percent of people who are rehabilitatable, and we do have the ability to measure that readiness for change, pre-contemplative and capability of change, if we had the resources and stuff. And that's not my trust business. That's in the outpatient services. Um, we're short of staff. You know, Everybody is, really. Yeah, and we're seeing um, rising crime, ram raids. The gang population is almost 10,000 now. There's an army out there. The, the, so, gangs, the gang's main source of income is the sale of drugs. No one's arguing that. That's where the gangs get their money, the sale of drugs. And if you're paying $36 for a packet of cigarettes, because that's how much it costs for 20 Yeah, I, I think that's crazy, actually. It is. So, so if you smoke and drink and use meth, the drug dealer wants to be paid on Thursday. Of course you're out ramrading. Where else are you going to get the money? Well, why don't they bloody well wake up to this? Because it's a too hard a problem for people to have a, a discussion, and I've had to learn that. The hard way. There's no use trying to solve impossible problems, Steve. You need to go back, do what you can to make a difference within the availability of resources. Go on radio and argue your point. Where can I have that? When can I have that $1.75 million, please? Christopher, Christopher, I don't mind which Christopher it is. Let's get on with what we need to do because it's not going to go away. Yeah, but you know that, that, that you're probably not going to get anywhere with that. Um, otherwise, you'd already be somewhere with that. Um, well, we are. We are we're carrying on with the work that we're currently doing. Yes, but the demand is so big. Yeah, and it's more complex because people are, um, are more distressed. They're more. They are more mentally ill. People are very, very frustrated, and it's, the man in the street is very unhappy. 
and unwell. And that you can roll that into COVID and everything else, got no employment, got nowhere to live, housing, can't afford food. It's very distressing. And that's and that's across the general population as well, in my view. It's not pretty. No, it's not pretty. Uh, okay. I, want that, I want that treatment centre. Why would we keep sending people out of region to Auckland uh, to get rehab when we've got it uh, and we can do it here closer to home involving fa- family? That's what the reports were recommending, the DHB closer to home, Volfano. Yeah, but talk is cheap, you know. Yes, it is. Well, if the people of New Zealand will make that decision in 15 weeks' time, won't they? Yeah, that's if anyone offers a choice for that. It's hard to yeah. know. Well, um, it's not a fa- drug addiction is not a favoured topic because it's kind of like considered, I guess, that people are self-inflicting that, that it's a choice, that it's not recognised as the, uh, that when it comes to money. Well, you know, I would think child cancer and lots of other causes. Well, they spent $500 million on rat tests. Just remember that. Yeah, half a billion. Right, right, yeah, rat test, yeah. Yeah, five, half a billion. Shit, oh dear. Think about that. It's a lot of money, isn't it? I, I'm just I'm just blown away by the figures I hear of expenditure in, in recent times. And um, and we know I'm they're just, just dropping get, the price. I'd just of... like to help more people find recovery. That's oh, no, the truth. I, I, totally. And you're doing God's work. You know, I just wish there was some more help for you. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a, I think that I don't think people you can fool some of the people some of the time. I, I don't think that anybody's fooled by the fact that gangs' main earning is the sale of drugs. Um, I don't think uh, people people quietly know the water reports. You know, when you get three quarters of a ton of methamphetamine floating out in the ocean, yeah, you'd have right. to wonder, wouldn't you? And the and I will tell you for free, the police I know, they, you know the police, and I'll have to say too much about cases and they don't. But I do talk to the policeman. He's as frustrated as hell because he spends half his time having to deal with drug-addicted people who are psychotic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so sad, so sad. It It, it, it is. And And we all know that if you want to stop ram raids, just lower the price of tobacco. It's easy. Oh, yeah, look, I've heard the, the, the you know, the discussions about Portugal and, you know, the, the, the just make it free and then the problem with that, well, yeah, yeah, nah. You've got to get it below the black market price threshold, right? Well, you know, it's, that's the coffeehouse conversation about how far has humanity come, you know. Don't get me started. You know, most of us are just uh, getting along as best we can. The gap between the rich and the poor is humongous these days. And yeah. you know, um, they people you can't you can't be using drugs, smoking, and and get food and pay rent. It just be it's just it's just a joke. So, um, and I do know that these ram raiders, a lot of them are users. So there you go. Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, stands to reason. Yeah. Okay, so you've got 30 beds, but you're only using nine, and 1.75 million would probably do the trick, right? Yeah, I wish that. I wish it was as simple as that. I wish it was as simple as that. <laughs> I it, don't mean it, is, it is actually, as, I wish it, uh, it is as simple as that, but to make that actually happen through the appropriate processes, 
um, with the state of the country and we're in an election year and all the rest of it, it's a very big ask. But I'll see it out as best I can. I'm not getting any younger. Most of my peers have retired. Um, it's I need the resources to replace myself too. I'd love nothing more than to be able to drive down the corner there in my little electric car when I'm 80, look up and see the busy the busyness of people rushing off to groups and getting across the courtyards. It'd be lovely. Nothing would please me more. Well, maybe someone's listening who can make a difference and help out. Who knows? Stephen King, thank you for joining us on RCR this morning. You're most welcome. Anytime. Stephen King, who is executive director of Hamilton's Alcohol and Drug Community Trust. They run a 30-bed support facility known as Manning Street. And as you've been hearing, he's pushing for a new residential rehab centre in Hamilton. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.